Brandon Nelly. I'm Tiffany Ball. And I'm Eric Scow. <laughs> and this is the War Without End. And today we're going to be discussing the opioid epidemic. We're going to be discussing the opioid epidemic from the 1990s up until the present. Um, yeah. So main proponents. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to be going over mainly on mid to late 1990s drug uh, drug legislation and the opiate epidemic up until like around the 2010s period. And so uh, we just see major increases on all boards in opiate and painkiller use. And so, Tiffany, do you have any statistics to uh, add to that? Yes. Um, opioids were first prescribed in the 1990s for severe pain and like moderate, well, moderate to severe pain or health conditions such as cancer. But it progressively just became very addictive and about like from the past 10 years, over 11 million like prescriptions have been made. Like people have been overdosing and they've been addicted to it. And like opioids accounted for 70% of drug overdose deaths in 2019 alone and According to the CDC, 136 people die every day on average from opioid overdose in the U.S. And although the CDC has been trying to implement like different plans and programs to reduce these overdoses, like some people may or may not agree that it's been effective, such as the overdose data to action agreement. Aiden. Uh, so yeah, you know, when looking when looking at this data as well. So yeah, for example, I have data that shows that from two thousand four to two thousand eleven, uh, the number of opiate medical emergencies increased by one hundred thirty two percent, and that at around the two thousand eleven point, there was around six hundred eighty one thousand opiate um, opiate addicted users, and so mainly mainly the 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 we we want to look at you know what's behind this massive massive opiate trend with illicit substances in the in, in the 80s for example like with cocaine we saw a lot of these uh drugs uh importate uh imported uh causing addiction so like with with cocaine in, in the mid to late 80s so, but with this it seems that um the main cause behind that isn't illicit markets but actual pharmaceutical companies and so uh, I just wanted to add that some misinformation had a lot to do with the rise of these epidemics and the rise in sales of opiate medication. And so, um, like, for example, this in- information spread by Johnson & Johnson, which we've heard a lot about in the, in the past uh, two years with the, the, the vaccine, etc. Uh, Endo and Tiva which resulted in billion-dollar lawsuits in, in the uh, 2000s, mainly the late 2000s, which, you know, some of these these were responsible for, like, some of the biggest criminal trials in U.S. history. Pfizer, for example, pushed specific, I, I don't know if they were opiate-related, but um, uh, I guarantee they probably were, um, uh, to uh, paying doctors to push specific medications, and they were actually sued in 2009 with, I think, $1 billion of, of uh, criminal fees and or $1 billion in uh, $1.3 billion in civil fees and $1 billion in criminal fees being the biggest criminal lawsuit in Department of Justice history. And, um, you know, 
so this misinformation, you know, uh, really, really peaked in like uh, around 2007 to 2009 in which uh, companies like Johnson & Johnson uh, were giving out user man- manuals saying that these opiates weren't addictive. And so clearly the data shows otherwise. Things like Purdue, uh, um, Purdue, the big pharma company of Purdue, uh, claimed that risk addi- of addiction for uh, opiates prescribed to children was 1% when, again, the data shows otherwise. And... Um, and I just, you know, uh, looking back on how how could these big uh, pharmaceutical companies happen if, you know, the U.S. government, like we see in the past, has been so strict with uh, controlled substances. And I just, you know, I find, I find it pretty interesting that these that these trends show. Uh, do you have anything to add, Tiffany? Actually, I have something to add. Um, yes, sir. For most people who don't know what opiate, opioids are, right? So I'll give a little history on it. So they were... Um, became legal in the United States in 1775. And then uh, they were used to treat troops during the Civil War in the 1860s. And then they became addicted to it. And then there was an act called the Harrison Narcotics Act of 1914, placing restrictions on opioids to limit their commercial use. And then uh, doctors avoid prescribing opioids in the 70s due to stigma associated with addiction. So they didn't use it to prevent nerves from processing uh, pain signals. But in the 80s and 90s, opioids were reintroduced to the treatment of chronic pain. And now every day in 2017, there were 142 opioid-related deaths, which is an insane – it's like basically an insane stat line right there. Yeah, I agree. That sounds insane. I also want to like highlight on vocabulary. So, I, I, uh, early use of opiates, for example, going back into the history, was mainly with uh, with opium, which is, uh, if you didn't know, these painkillers come from um, compounds in the poppy flower. And so, uh, I also want to highlight the vocabulary difference between opiate and opioid, because those are very, very big differences. Opiates are natural occurring, uh, naturally derived substances from the most mostly the poppy flower. And so none of, no parts of an opiate are synthetic, whereas opioids are either partly or fully synthetic. Heroin, for example, would be a partly synthetic opioid, um, and things like fentanyl would be a fully synthetic opioid, and then things like oxycotton, hydrocodone, those things would be uh, mainly opiates, so 100% uh, non-synthetic. Uh, so, you know, highlighting the importance of this, um, synthetic synthetic opiates were mainly used for potency and um, effectivity with these drugs. And, you know, they play a big part in uh, addiction, which we'll also be talking about in the next podcast with fentanyl. And so, it, yeah, going into also, like, how, how wh- why were these drug companies able to uh, not only... So, yeah, not only were these drug companies able to spread misinformation for a long period of time, but they were also able to sell um, to to pharmaceuticals, uh, pharmaceutical stores, much larger amounts of opiates than were than were needed in like small towns, for example, like people like one to two thousand. You know, data data showing from a, a Vox study, for example, show that eight hundred forty five million milligrams distributed in only fourteen co- uh, counties happened in some chair in the in these Cherokee reservations, and without any um, uh, quality control from the U.S. government, but despite saying that. Uh, these big pharma- pharmaceutical companies must stop uh, the illicit market of opiates and opioids. 
And, you know, these failsafes clearly show a big a big fault line. Not only is the U.S. government overbearing on their drug legislation, but in the places where it's necessary, they're completely complacent. And, you know, that highlights a big, big, you know, trend we see within from, you know, 70s to modern day. It's just insane. Yeah, it is, like, super scary, like, especially since fentanyl is used for medical purposes and also other opioids for, like, painkillers, even though they, like, in certain doses, like, they are lethal. And thank you for that background, Eric, on opioids and opiates. And, yeah, why do you guys think that they're used for medical purposes? I know they're super strong and they're used for cancer and that helps, like deconstruct and get rid of cancer cells it doesn't get rid of all of them but um it still does break down like healthy cells so even if they're so lethal why do you think the medical people like doctors can't use like an alternate um form of medication so yeah Yeah. you know i think that that just highlights a big problem with our pharmaceutical companies how powerful they are and how much more money that they keep trying to generate and so uh, I would say a big reason that these com- uh, that that these opiates are continued to be, you know, uh, popped out instead of you know alternative forms of painkillers is because of how profitable the the um, market is for these substances. And um, you know, I'm not a big proponent on on you know uh, overbearing drug legislation just because of how how much it criminalizes the user, but and in and, and this situation, these big pharmaceutical companies. Um, one or two big, two are using, you know, these illicit substances or these uh, uh, proponents for possibly illicit substances, highly addictive, not only for children, but for adults. It's just the market's huge for it. And so that's, I would say that's the main reason why they choose to have have, have these um, prescriptions put out constantly. And, you know, I, uh, personally speaking, like I, most, most people I know, including myself, have family members uh, friends or family friends who either are prescribed have been prescribed opiates in the past or are con- or are addicts to these to these substances and so uh, it's it just I would say it's just an integral problem with big pharmaceutical and the misinformation that they they, they push out even with 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 the sciences they um, they have a huge huge amount of resources in terms of money like billions of billions and billions of dollars have been taken from them in lawsuits and things like that but they still have uh, the, I think the, the the there's an eight trillion. They made eight trillion. Uh, all I think thirty big pharmaceutical companies made about eight trillion dollars in the past uh, twenty years, which is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is insane. Like it's so like I don't know, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so Eric, would you would, uh, do you have um? As summarizer, would you like to have a general overview of what we talked about? Yeah, so I was just going to talk about how opioids has been along for a very, very long time. And uh, there have been many methods to try and stop it. But as usual, if money is involved, people aren't going to stop, especially these doctors over prescribing. Uh, and then it gets people addicted. And once you're addicted, you're going to throw all of your money away trying to get it so you can keep on it exactly like cigarettes and because those guys make money they don't care about the people that buy it especially doctors so in the end it's going to be a very very hard epidemic to stop so i i will have to see what happens because if, if you have a loved one that is addicted 
you should help them and like get them to somewhere but like it's it would be it's a very hard addiction to stop because it's if unless they like admit that they're addicted to it you can't really help them and unless they're willing to it's it's going to be very hard so yeah like I, yeah it's a bit of a wrap up all right so this was the um we're without end podcast. So yeah, next next episode we'll be going mainly over 2011 to the modern day, both drug legislation and also the um, follow up on this still being a major epidemic with also the introduction of synthetic substance like fentanyl. So that's going to be a big proponent of the next podcast. So again, this was the War Without End. Thank you for uh, joining in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.